Hello? No, no Limit Texas Hold'em is the Cadillac of poker. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you. Oh, no, no, we don't use money in heaven. Comes in pretty handy down here, Bob. Oh, you just want a million? You're making a run at it, aren't you? Rolling up a stake and going to Vegas. Welcome to episode number 22 of When the Chips Are Down podcast. I am Andrew Biking, 19 Paper. Daniel Nergano can lose a million dollars. Like, you can go on a downswing. It's okay. <laughs> and finally rejoined by my best friend, Scott, a.k.a. Stay Wild. The world is such a cool place. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Whether you've been at the tables for years or just now dipping your toes into the most complex game on the planet, this podcast should have something for you. What program player hasn't watched Rounders and Mike McDermott jet out to Vegas and thinking, man, I wish I could do that. Well, this podcast is about a guy that did, a guy that is doing, and a guy that wants to do that. So hopefully it'll provide a lot of insight into what all being a professional program player is and what that looks like in today's day and age. Okay, well, welcome back, everyone. I know we've been gone for uh, a few months now. Uh, it's, life is uh, kind of crazy, and we're not the best uh, podcast uh, hosts, but we're back in the saddle with Scott today, and then talked with Joe, and we'll be recording with him later on this week, so should be back to our regular schedule, uh, hopefully. And um, so, yeah, welcome back, Scott. <laughs> Hey, it's good to be back. Who thought we were still poker players as long as we've been off the air, huh? Don't tease me. Let's play some cards. And that's um yeah, a bit of a bit of a hiatus, yeah, for for me personally just been busy around the doing a bunch of house and yard projects uh for the parents. Um a little bit of traveling here and there, um, doing some work with some uh, adventure groups, uh, like camping and hiking and uh, things like that. Um, not a ton of other stuff. Uh, probably looking to get back into the real quote unquote real job market in the near future. So, been doing a lot of that uh, and seeing what that's going to look like. So. Uh, yeah, that's what's been going on in, uh, in my world, uh, un- unrelated to, uh, to poker, and, yeah, the podcast just kind of fell in the wayside, uh, of things to do. Yeah, I think for, and for me, it's funny, both of our, our lives kind of took a bit of a shift there for, I don't know, was it three, three to six months? Yeah, really, really since, like, the spring. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the water job I was at for five years um, decided to quit. Pretty big decision for me and my family. Uh, I went back into barbering, which is all I've ever done before. Uh, This water job, and it's something I really loved. I kind of wish I would have never quit doing it. But anyways, yeah, went back to barbering. It's going really great, doing that part-time four days a week having three days off now. It's just a really fantastic schedule and a uh, career change for me. And it's allowing me to focus that much more on poker. Um, so, so slightly going from more recreational to um, kind of semi-pro. So just trying to uh, trying to make those leaps and we'll get into more of that. But yeah, we've, we've had a few... Uh, few crazy life-changing things happen that were pretty drastic but 
We are back in the saddle for you guys, talking everything that we do, and, you know, just giving our opinions that they might be worth something, they might be worth nothing. That will be for you to decide. <laughs> right. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, yeah, and, and we've still been, yeah, it's just, it's just been kind of a, a little bit of lack of... Um lack of dedication mostly on on falls on on my head i think for a lot of it because we we've originally why we started this podcast was i was going to be in texas and you're going to be in florida and i was like well we're going to be talking for like an hour a week anyway like why don't we just record it and and see what (laughs) see how it goes uh and we've still been having these (laughs) Two or three hour conversations every week, just not uh, just not putting a microphone up to it. So, um, yeah, I think I think yeah, I think it'd be good though. Uh, and kind of uh, uh, kind of unfortunate for the uh, for the the growth of the podcast too. I think because the summer is when you really want to be cranking out poker content um, as much as you can, because any type of form of content. Uh, and poker always gets a, a pretty big boost for during the summer with the with the series going on, like YouTube podcasts, everything just jumps up with everybody out there. But say lovey, uh, um, so that's been um, uh, so on the poker side of things. Yeah, for me, uh, played a little bit here and there live, not a ton. Um, sometimes I go up to Cherokee and play cash. On the weekends, uh, I've played a couple circuit stops. There was just a circuit stop that came through. I, I didn't get go, go up there to uh, to play in that one. Uh, the previous one, just I think I was like 0 for 6 in tournaments. Just uh, ran bad, card dead, just nothing uh, going in in that. And uh, online's been okay. Um, I guess I. Mm, about break even over the past like few weeks, but uh, that's also been not not as heavy volume that I've been as I had been playing uh, previously. Um, one update on that though, I I mentioned in I think a couple podcasts ago of uh, one of the Poker Bros clubs that I was in kind of went under, and I was just left with like a three hundred something dollar balance. Uh, left unpaid, and uh, the guy said he was going to pay me, and that he got scammed and everything. And it took uh, took a few months, but uh, he eventually did uh, make everything right and and uh, pay everything back. So uh, good on him, and uh, a better resolution to that than I originally thought would happen. So that was. At least nice to see, and so yeah, that's been that's been um, what I've been going up to in in poker recently. Not a, not a not a ton of volume online, but hopefully gonna get uh, a little bit more consistent in putting on some some decent online volume here in the next uh, next uh, month or so. And uh, so, what about you? As you've been uh, will kind of transition into the main event, uh, into more talking, but just general overall, like, since your last podcast, how's poker been going? Yeah, it's kind of been up and down a little bit. Um, some of the tournaments that I had been playing was going really good. Um, 
I was pro I was probably cashing two out of four tournaments that I was playing a week. Um and I built up the bankroll enough to go uh play at my local card room over here for one two. And I that was pretty good. I had I think I played like ten sessions and had more winning sessions than losing sessions, but the losing sessions that I had, I I lost pretty big, mostly just kind of some gross spots like uh, full house over full house and some uh, all in flips pre flop with ace king that I lost to queens and jacks. So it took my bankroll to around I think that was around seven seven bigs, um, closer to like four. And at that point, I just decided to reel it back in because I was just kind of trying to get I was trying to get my feet wet to, you know, just trying to shot take a little bit and really run it up. Uh, just really just trying to play one, two more often than not and then, instead of playing the tournaments. But so just kind of uh, pulled back a little bit and really valued the experience there. It the card room plays really different than the tournaments. Uh, <laughs> it's much looser. You're just, you know, going multi-way quite often. Uh, it's it's a little strange, too, because at the card room over here uh, in Oxford, like, one, two plays actually pretty big. Like, you've you, you've got to open pretty pretty large to get uh, any credit. So you're going to, you're opening up sometimes. M I open up to ten dollars, and that get sometimes that gets called by like four or five callers. So um, it plays much bigger than that. So that was all new. Um, now and that was it was just kind of a depressing season too. I was I was doing this crazy job where, or on this crazy schedule, where I was working full time at this water plant doing nights. Uh, playing poker in my spare time and then working at this barbershop part-time hoping to leave my other job when I got enough clients. So I was pretty, pretty stretched thin. Um, and I was still doing okay. That's not something I would advise most people to do. <laughs> um, the golden rule is, you know, you should play at your best. Um, sometimes, you know, you got to, play through sometimes you got to play when it's not your best and you have to figure out how to make good decisions even when you're not at your peak i think that's really important uh you just can't if you're someone who can just walk in on the table with your best all the time uh, i'm jealous of you very envious i have uh florida's a hard place to get ahead right now the economy got crazy me and the wife just had another child so four-year-old a toddler and a wife uh, two jobs and poker so <laughs> but things have been going good it's um my game got a little sloppy i would say i think we talked about that uh last night my tournament game got a little sloppy from just not studying and uh trying to play through all that stress but we are back my scheduling is really good now. I've ha I have much more time to study and get my get really sharp on my game. I'm working four days a week, 
playing four tournaments a week and um I've got a, a decent enough bankroll to start playing one too, but I would like to get around 15 to 20 more buy-ins uh before I go back to the card room and uh yeah, I'm I'm pretty pumped. Uh and I like playing I don't know what you think, but I kind of like playing semi-pro where you you know, it's not your full-time gig, but you have an opportunity to like one, you can either save up all that money and it's just like you know, you've got all this money from poker. That's a game that you love and you can save up to do whatever you want with it. Or, you know, you can pay quite a bit of bills with it, depending on how well you play. Um, I don't know if I'll ever go full time. Uh, all the advice I've ever heard about playing poker like full time uh, as a single job is don't do it. So <laughs> um, there might be some truth to that. I don't know. But this is just the journey I'm on right now. And uh it's pretty cool though all in all, you know, me and Andrew. Yeah, I mean, we used to talk about even playing cards for a living. You know, it was just that was really just a dream when we were in our early 20s. You remember that? Yeah. And now, you know, we're we're both in our early 30s. And to be saying that, you know, we can hold a full-time job and like play, you know, poker profitably for at part time for real, you know, good money. Um it's just it's just crazy. Like America like is so cool. The world is such a cool place. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh it's kind of what's been going on right now. So Yeah, 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 it's been yeah, time prayer transition. Yeah, for sure. And um so speaking of transitions, we'll transition into the main event. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. And so we're talking about like going pro-ish, you know, semi-pro, kind of like what you're talking about. Um, and so just for this podcast, I just wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about uh, transitioning into playing more professionally, more seriously. Not not that you weren't taking it, you know, seriously prior to leaving the the water job. Uh, but you know, your, your, your time and your schedule just changes. You, now you have the time and availability to, to study, to play and put in more volume. And, uh, I, I remember like, uh, you know, reading, going back through some of our texts, sort of realizing some, a lot of the, some, some of the differences of that y you were seeing from playing semi-professionally for versus just recreationally. So just kind of like dive into like what that's been like and your experiences in that. Yeah, I think when we talk semi-professionally, I think we're talking mainly about uh, playing seriously for, for money. Um, mm -hmm. Opposed to recreationally being just just for fun. Like, you don't really, you know, you hope to break even, and but you're probably going to be a losing player. Um, but you don't lose too much, so, you, you know, it, it, it's still worth it for you because you find some enjoyment out of it. So those are the uh, kind of the two ends that we're coming from, or I'm coming from at the moment. So yeah, I would say it's studying is just. I would say studying is probably your biggest proponent of going semi-pro. Like once you start to study um, and then start to track, it's. I think we talked about that where um, I you know last year I said. 
hey, you know, I, I, I'm considering going semi-pro, maybe pro one day, but, you know, my wife says she she trusts me and she, she'll back me on it, but, you know, she needs to make sure that she knows I can do this. So we set up a lot of parameters um, playing for, I think it's been like eight, it's been like eight months since we've had that conversation, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so roughly eight months. Um, tracking everything uh, with Poker Bank, you know, the Poker Bank Roll uh, software, and um, really just anecdotally seeing, you know, where do I, like Joe says, can can you just win? Like when you're in, when you're in a field of twenty, twenty or thirty people, or at a, you know, at a eight or nine ring table. Like, do you, how confident do you feel like you're one of the best or the best player at the table? And um, those are real factors. It seems anecdotal a little bit, but um, when the numbers start backing the confidence level you have and um, the nuance that you start to play with, I think that is a really good time uh, to consider going pro, semi-pro. That's kind of how it was for me. We, uh, yeah, you know, that was one of the, the most important things was the past eight months is like, okay, so am I winning? Mm-hmm. And clearly I was, I wasn't playing in the strongest field, which I don't think you ever should. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to play in the softest field you can, and you want to play in a field with the biggest edge you, that you can possibly have. Um, so I've been able to do that uh, with a tournament play that we've uh, that we play quite frequently. Um, I I still have so much to learn. Like you know, we played last night, and you're just you're just like that. What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I don't I don't know, but <laughs> I was like, I I don't know what I did when I did that. There <laughs> just felt like the right play. But um, in all seriousness. I have, you know, like everyone else, we always have a lot to learn. The confidence that I have from the data and the uh, the experience um, is kind of propelling me forward to hopefully go into low stakes cash. And to, we might, I don't know, it's really difficult because the tournaments are so soft. Uh, I don't know how much we've talked about this, but it's sometimes hard for me to tell if sitting, you know, one, two is more profitable than the soft tournaments we get to play. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, yeah, and that's it's a it's a pretty common thing I think for for people, especially who are, who are like newer to to poker to because uh, normally what people do, especially live, uh, most people just play cash. You know, they played you know some St. goes or cash games with home at home games and things like that, and then they'll. They go and play cash, and I'd say that's probably the majority of all poker rooms. You know, that's majority of what's going on in these poker rooms is is all cash games, and uh, might be one or two tournaments a day. Uh, but then people will play tournaments, or they'll play a they'll go out and they'll play a circuit stop or something, and and you know, and then you know, there's and they're used to cash where you know people don't play you know horrendously, but everyone, you know, it's usually not that bad and then but then they'll play like a you know a two hundred dollar tournament and there's 
five limps in front of them, someone 12X raises and everybody calls and they're like, what in the world is going on? Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, is, <laughs> you know, like, hey, man, I could, uh, yeah, no wonder Phil Ivy plays tournaments, you know? It's <laughs> 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 like, I, yeah, I've been wasting my life in cash. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, e- easily, like, your your average tournament table is going to be, uh, compared to your cash table, your, your tournament table is just always going to be softer, um, just a far weaker field overall, uh, and then you, you get people that don't, either don't play as often, or all they play is tournaments, but they, because they don't, they don't like the idea of possibly losing, like, $500, but they can afford a $150 tournament and that's all they're going to lose and they like to play and that's going to guarantee them a, a few hours of playing um but your variance just really goes through the roof um uh with with tournaments uh both online and live like the, the maths it is and isn't different like it's not technically different it's math but i mean you just your your edges uh live are are just so much more um pronounced uh, that you you really um, you could you're not gonna it's unlikely to go on as big of downswing live as you are online um, but because of the the edge difference uh, in most things that you're playing but it can still happen I mean you can still go I mean <laughs> like what like uh, a good point that I always uh, point people to uh, is a uh, Last year, Daniel Nagano lost a million dollars playing the World Series. Okay, if Daniel Nagano can lose a million dollars, like you can go on a downswing. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I promise. Uh, yeah, quite a bit of variance in, in tournaments, and you can go. You know, like uh, Jay Little says, you can you can run worse than you've ever ever imagined, <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's you know, and both of us have experienced that at <laughs> at different points in our time. Was like really like how is that? How's that? Um, what just happened here? We're just kind of shell shocked by what cards uh, have fallen, but yeah, it's part of the game. And yeah, low, low, low occurrence events happen all the freaking time in this game. <laughs> all, all the time. It still happens all the time. And I, to be fair, I do not go on tilt like I used to at all. But it's still it. Here's what baffles me, and I know. I know it's supposed to happen this way, but the same people suck out on me all the time. It's just these crazy river suck outs with like one or two outs. And it happens by the people, the same people, because they stick themselves in horrible situations every time. And as long as I'm destroying them, I don't particularly, <laughs> don't particularly mind. But when they hit, God, I can't, it makes me just flare up. Uh, but like Jonathan Little says, he's, you know, you, those guys, you need those guys cause they're going to get you every now and again, but you know, at the end of the month, they'll be paying your bills. So, but yeah, going back to the semi pro thing and especially live, I know we talked about this, um, cause most of my play has been, uh, online, mm-hmm. uh, particularly because I've just never really had a bankroll big enough to comfortably play live. Um, Going to the card room and playing, one of the things I noticed most was if you play online a lot, the sensory overload playing live is a pretty real thing. 
there is just so much, so much information going on. Um, just sensory-wise, you have all of the sports playing. Everyone's talking. People are talking to you. They're having a good time. You're you're wanting to, you know, make sure that you're one of the people at the table that is, you know, helping with that good time. I noticed I had to actually dial it back a little bit. I loved talking to people and, re- you know, really trying to help some of the uh, recreational players, you know, just enjoy being at the table and, you know, trying to keep it loose. But it's it's kind of exhausting to sit sit and play. Playing for like four hours live sometimes feels like I'm getting drugged through the mud. Because <laughs> you can play four hours online and, you know, you're just seeing, you just see so many hands. And live, like, you're really taking the, like a ton of notes, like mentally with different people, how they play, like what some of their live tells are, what their betting patterns are. You know, the dealers are trying to, uh, you know, they're they're trying to have a good time and make everything enjoyable. And it... It exhausted me physically, like physically and mentally. I remember the first like two or three sessions I had going back and being like, my God, I am, I feel exhausted. <laughs> but yeah. you, you said that was common though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Um, I kind of relate it to, to just any, it, really anything, anything new that you, you sort of go into and and uh and you're and you're having to you have just so many more uh inputs that you have to pay attention to sort of all at the same time you know kind of like the first time you got in a car and you were the one behind the wheel and you know your parent or driver instructor whoever is you know telling you it's like okay you gotta you know you adjust your mirrors to this you gotta look out for this watch this keep an eye on this do this and there's, you know, there's a million different things going on when you're driving down the road. And, um, and it's, you know, when you first get like that, it's really intimidating. It's like, wow, like, how am I going to keep track of all this? Like, I'm sure I'm going to forget something. And I'm going to crash. And, but, you know, after you, after you just get time in the saddle and you just kind of do it uh, more and just get more comfortable with it, then you, then it kind of just flows. Um, I mean, I remember for sure, like, that was my experience on a motorcycle. I was, I always was fascinated with motorcycles as a kid and wanted a bike ever since uh, I was a, a toddler, pretty much. And then uh, I passed my motorcycle safety course in Florida and then got on the, got on the highway um, for my very first time because they don't take you on the highway in the safety course. It's just a closed parking lot. So very first time on the highway on my bike and I was I was scared of this. I was like, man, like how do people like ride and smile? Like this is terrifying. <laughs> I was like, the road is right there, the semi truck is right there, there's you know, those bugs, you know, slapping my helmet, like it, like this is terrible. I was like, maybe this is not for me. Like this is <laughs> this is not <laughs> it's not okay, man. But I mean, like I I I couldn't afford a car and car insurance at the time. All I had was a bike. I was like, well, well, tough it out for now, and, and, and so, uh, you know, and then, yeah, just time on the saddle, you get used to it, and then, you know, then you might set a world record. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By the end of, like, one of my later sessions before I had to dial it back, um, a regular that was going there was sitting next to me, really nice guy, 
Um, and he looked at me, he goes, man, you, you must be a really good poker player. <laughs> I'm like, I'm playing <laughs> one too. I can't be that good like in my head, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you just seem so comfortable. And I, I realized like I did start to get more comfortable. Like the, you know, the sensory overload started to slow down. Like all of my experiences playing online, I started to slowly, uh, apply them correctly live yeah uh, and adapt to that game to the you know the the play style of that particular uh card room and uh table more effectively but yeah it was really it was really a great experience i wish you know i wish i was able to run it up a little better but um that didn't happen but the experience i gained from it um gave me i think i remember telling you it gave me even greater of a respect for like what going what trying to play semi-pro uh pro-ish looks like like you it's a real commitment like you need to be really sharp mm-hmm. part, part of me thought i could just go in there with um a knowledge a knowledge base um that you could get from any you know any poker uh training course you know just your basic fundamentals and go in yeah. there and be profitable and that in a, in theory that is true but in um applied practical playing i don't i don't believe that that's completely true just because of all the nuances that come playing live um it's more exhausting in my opinion it's you really have to be patient because you're not seeing as many cards per hour um and there's so many exploitative plays that i would not make in a tournament or online play that are so open to you live um and that's another thing that really feels weird. Like I've, I remember putting in like a uh, a three bet bluff uh, four ways, at a position, uh, to two and to two regs that were playing. And you know, you just once you once you sit there enough, you can just see the way the guys throw their chips in. Like you know, they're just hoping to catch another street, or you know, they don't really care about this bet. They're just really just, you know, they're they're sitting at this session for too long. And they're about to, they just kind of want to go home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got, I have absolute air. I have like two, like ace deuce with a really wet board. And, uh, you know, guy, guy raises, uh, on the turn and both people call. I'm just like, these guys don't have anything. I, there's no way. <laughs> like, this is the way <laughs> we've been playing. And, you know, I considered, I was like, I would never bluff this bot online. Like, this is just, absolutely way way far off a gto and i just put in a huge uh huge three bet and they all just mucked immediately and uh you know trying to realize my uh my image at the table and what that you know the strength of that saying big bets live uh usually get a lot of folds i will say i think what is it a rampage always talks about aggression and aggression applied applied appropriately i'm realizing at live live low stakes live um even applied incorrectly sometimes just leads to a lot of exploitative plays that are very profitable so a lot of that just anecdotal in my experience so far but yeah it's uh it gave me a a different appreciation for what a different game uh low stakes live cash is in my area yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just one of it's just one of the very many variables I think that it from uh recreational to to professional or semi-pro 
in poker is just something that's not talked about or not viewed. You know, people will will think, well, usually when I go to the casino, I win like three or four hundred dollars, so you know, I could just quit my job and I could play three nights a week and win three or four hundred dollars every night, and all my bills are paid, and I got a few hundred left over to for whatever and everything's good and i don't think it's that that crazy and there's there's just so many more variables that just make it really really challenging um that being one of them uh with everything you have to pay attention to uh you know you're you know you don't have a you know you don't have a hud uh you don't have the you don't have the the pot uh in a nice little number on mm-hmm. a screen for you um you know, so uh, there's just so so much information that is instead of having your computer do it for you, it's it's all on you. So you it's up to you to you know to realize that this guy hasn't three bet in two hours, or this guy has never bet pop before in the, the you know the whole session, or uh, just different things like that that are really obvious, but only if you're paying attention. And if you're not, then you could you could absolutely miss it. Yeah, and it's it's almost and it's different. Even if you do recognize it live, like it's it's hard to know what it means. Yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> you know, because some guys, you know, some guys flop like king. You know, flop a king with king jack. They'll they'll punt. They'll just go all in. They think they got it. Yeah, and you're sitting there, you know, with ace king, like weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, man, I am I behind here? <laughs> yeah, and it's you know. It, it, it's so weird guys are so out of line most of the guys that i've played yeah. played with are they can't they don't even keep track of what's in the pot like no idea no idea yeah, what no, they're people, betting people never have it live people never have any idea how much the pot is <laughs> only if it's people and that's because the dealer has to keep track of it for them <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's just so crazy um and it's a great thing you know it's it's super profitable um I I actually cut one dude, and I'm not gonna say his name on here. That goes to that car, who has been going to that card room for a long time, and he's a regular. And he just walked into the barber shop I work at, and I ended up cutting his hair. And I was like, "Hey, you know, what's up, man? Like, I've seen you at the card room. You know, how you doing?" And he was like super pumped about that. And we just started talking, and and he tells me like his strategy basically. I, and he sits on his phone sometimes, but he's a regular. He just says, you know, he just kind of waits. Waits for a good hand, the old Mike McDermott, you know, you know, a hand an hour, you know, you'll win. Just don't, (laughs) (laughs) don't lose it, you know, and uh, that's not how we, it's not how I like to play. It's not, you know, it's not how you win the most, but he's like, I leave, you know, three to $500 almost every time I go. And I just kind of wait, let the old guys just punt off to me. But yeah, so it's just, it's cool. I'm really pumped for it uh, to get back into this. Uh, I think one one caveat I might say is like I I think I can say like I was fairly depressed with everything I had going on and it was mm-hmm. really affecting my poker play. You kind of start to think you give too much credit to people that don't deserve it and then you start to you start to think like that you're like maybe you're just not cut out for playing um I'll just say you need to make sure your mental health is pretty, pretty on point if you're gonna play. Um, I started to not play as much when things got really crazy in my life, and I thought that was a better decision than to try to completely keep playing all the time. 
And I think I mentioned to you, I was like, my God, like I can, it is so much easier to play. I'm making so much better decisions. <laughs> now, like I have time to sleep. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> like poker's fun again. Yeah. 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 It really makes a, a, yeah, a pretty big difference. Um, and yeah, it's a mental game. So like, yeah, if, if things, uh, if other parts of your, of your mental health uh, aren't, uh, yeah, up to par, then it, it's pretty likely you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna, um, see some, some, some part of your game suffer for it. And I'm um, talking about being comfortable at the table. I was in one of uh, Alex Fitzgerald's books. He was talking about that and he was uh talking about he's he's like he's like who am i scared of the table he's like am i scared of the guy who shows up and beats headphones and a hoodie and sunglasses and sits down super serious he's like no he's like that guy's recreational he's like i'm way better than him uh he's not he's not not a problem uh he clearly puts more thought into like his outfit than he does his poker uh, <laughs> he's like, you know who I'm scared of? The guy who walks in and sits down and acts like he's at Starbucks and doesn't care. <laughs> that guy terrifies me. <laughs> hey, yep. Yeah, it was... It was fun, man. I, I can't wait to get back to the uh, the live room and work my way up uh, through low stakes and hopefully up to mid stakes, but there are some... some there was one good player there uh, who was a regular who I saw often, and uh, you know, we he had told me a few hands where we went heads up and uh, just talked to me about him. And I guess I it I, I hope eventually the the view of of poker, mainly Texas Hold'em, starts to change in the general public. I like to talk about poker as often as I can with people who are uneducated about it, and it's not because I. I think I'm an ambassador for poker or anything like that, but the the public has such a bad view of it, and from mm-hmm. all the things that have gone on in Texas and uh, with them, you know, getting shut down by local, you know, their local governments and all the headaches they've had. Like, I I really want the game to expand and to expand in our communities, but I I think you know. People are so polite at the poker table. You're always going to get your your guys that are buttholes or they've been drinking too much or, you know, just a complete degenerate every now and then. But people are so polite. They're so, you know, they want to be there to hang out, to have a good time. Um, And I don't want to just like, I'm not there just to be, you know, for it to just be profitable. Like, I like having a good time. I love talking to new people and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just enjoying enjoying everything the game can offer, and I I just hope that the general public's view of poker isn't this completely degenerate view of just people gambling, and it, it's a game where it's basically an addiction, and you can't you can't get out of it. So, uh, to shout out to those guys who I uh, played with over there, super nice guys. Um, Really appreciate the friendliness they showed me, and um, I'm ho- hoping to be back to grind there soon. Yeah, yeah, I think that sounded really good. Yeah, it's it's been, uh, yeah. There's I have a book called Poker and Pop Culture, and 
it kind of just kind of goes through kind of the history of poker in pop culture and and uh just whether it's in books or mostly in you know movies tv shows and things like that and uh it's history and how it's um sort of evolved and changed and and all that and yeah i mean i, th- I think poker has a, a few different things going against it mostly of how it's been portrayed in in the media and in pop culture it's just always done pretty poorly um i mean even for like as an amazing poker movie as rounders is you know that that's 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 not a true version of of what poker looks like day to day then also i think it just being inside of a casino it itself just you know just being associated with every other card game and no different from blackjack or craps or roulette and it just gets lumped in with all this other degenerate stuff where you have where you don't we you do not have an edge and i mean a lot of player, people playing poker also do not have an edge but <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a they're, they're not against the house uh automatically when they sit down yeah. and so it's so I think it's 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 just really a lot of that you you know you, like you said you do get like the addiction thing with that um I think it's on the rise uh, hopefully I think it's it's on the rise in the past like couple of years and more than ever has been I think since the boom uh, just you you see a little bit more of it on on TV and uh, you know Poker Go has their own. Uh, TV channel now. Bally Sports is having uh, is streaming poker now, so I think that's that's pretty good. So, and then you obviously have you know a bunch of the bastards with the Andrew Neby, Brad Owen, Rampages, other world. Uh, they've done really well with uh, promoting the game, I think. And then as I think as sports betting gets a lot more popular and legalized across the country. I think poker will be one of those things that kind of follows after that. And so, um, you know, hopefully yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll get um, improved, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just unfortunate that it has like such a bad, bad rep for, for it. You know, you, you, uh, we've, probably talked about this example on the podcast before, you know, but, like, you, you tell someone that, like, oh, what do you like to do in your free time? And it's like, oh, I like to golf. You know, it's, like, $150, like, you know, every weekend to, to play it where, where I'm at. And it's like, oh, you golf a lot? Like, oh, that's awesome. That's, what a great, nice, you know, healthy hobby. But it's like, it's like oh, yeah, I play this, you know, I play a you know turn a couple of poker tournaments uh, every week. And it's like, oh, wow, how can you afford such a horrible, degenerate lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's really difficult to talk to people because most people aren't honest with themselves about what they're actually doing. Uh, but, you know, they just and I get it. I get it, man. Like, I think life is life might be simpler to live that way. I don't think it is. Uh, whenever I try to live in somewhat of an ignorance kind of state, it usually kicks me right in the ass pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I got a really good friend who I respect a ton. He's a good dude and he just, uh, changed careers into, uh, into stocks and becoming like an account manager and all that. And I was talking to him about poker and he, he's like, he's like, oh man, like that's crazy. 
He's like, that's just really uh, just gambling. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, you know, I I didn't know what to say to him. And I'm like, you you do you work with stocks. Like, what are you talking about? Like, of course, it's gambling. But I think I have an edge like you're doing stocks. What do you think you're doing? And um, just went right over his head. And he's like, well, you must be able to read people real good. Because uh, if you can't do that, you can't win. I was like, yep, that's that's exactly what the game is built on. Complete <laughs> psychology without any math. Or, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it it's just one of those things where I think once the hard thing is people can't hold two thoughts at once. Like, you can be against gambling, like complete degenerate gambling, or, and not think it's good. But they don't, you know, no one wants to sit and consider something. It's like, oh, I, although this is a form of gambling, like, it's obviously profitable for people who can study it and understand it. Just like small businesses, stock markets, or anything in, you know, the free market that can create profits. And I like particularly having a hobby that I might be able to go semi-pro in uh that shows a return on my hobbies unlike golf and other things where i am just blowing money (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh, and if anyone is interested in in us hearing talk a little bit more in depth about uh the particular subject of poker and uh gambling and what all that looks like uh you can feel free to check out uh episode number 16 uh, titled uh, "Everyone Gambles," poker players are just honest about it, and we talk a little bit more about the more correlations of of life and poker, and how poker has far more correlations to life than than a lot of people give it credit for. So, yeah, I think that's a a a good um good talk about uh yeah your transition into playing semi professionally and the the changes of that, and so we can move on to catch these hands. Why did you throw me gloves? To catch these hands! Yeah! And uh, just a show where we just go over uh, a hand or two, uh, hand history or two that uh, one of us might have that we played hopefully sometime uh, recent. I, I, I don't have um, any spots uh, really that have uh, come up uh, recently anyway. Um, do you have anything? Um. I think the most recent thing I have is what I sent you. Uh, it was a pre-flop situation at a, at the final table in a tournament uh, that I was in. I was the chip leader with about, how many bigs did I have? I think I was sitting around like 50 or 60 big blinds. Uh, I was on the button. Well, under the gun acted and uh, she opened with a min raise. Usually... She's an okay. She's one of the better players on this, uh, in the soft tournaments that we play. Um, most of the time when she min raises it, it, it's not a very strong hand. So I didn't pay it. You know, I didn't give it much credit. Then the next act in early position was a tighter, a fairly tight player who, uh, came with a pretty large three bet, um, for maybe a third of her stack. And she was third in chips, probably sitting about 30 big blinds. The next to act right after her in the uh, in the low jack, I believe, was a pr- fairly small stack uh, who had half of what she bet. 
she bet twenty one thousand and he he jammed for eleven k, and it folds over to me in the big block or in the uh, on the button, and I'm sitting with Ace King off. And this is the hand I sent. This is the hand I sent you because I'm you know I'm thinking about it. I'm like man, you know Ace King's fairly strong here. What am I trying to accomplish? Like how far ahead do I think I could be? Because we talked about best case scenario, and I'm thinking you know. With ICM factors, I'm hoping I can get the three better to fold and then go heads up with the uh, small all-in stack because a lot of times on the, on, on the, uh, in this field, you'll get people that jam like will call off all-ins even though people are betting into them with like ace-10, pocket sevens, uh, just really wide, like way, way off GTO. And so in my head, I'm like, you know, with ICM playing here, if I come over and jam, like, this is going to just rep, like, at minimum I have queens, uh, or ace-king, ace-king, and then, you know, ace-king plus, queens, kings, aces is really what I'm trying to represent at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought, basically, I'm like, okay, like, I'm, I wanted to go heads up with the low stack, because it's basically going to be a free roll. Because uh, I'm gonna, if I can get the three better to fold, I'm, you know, her chips are gonna go to me. Wasn't the best complete thought, obviously we talked about. <laughs> so, but I did end up jamming. Uh, in the uh, under the gun folds, the three better tanks for a while ends up making the call, and I go up against queens from the three better and kings from the uh, all in small stack don't improve and uh lose a pretty good pretty good hefty stack there and yeah we talked about that and you you know you can talk about what you saw there and why you thought there was definitely a better that you know that wasn't a great spot for all kinds of other implications yeah and yeah and so to just recap for the listener hopefully listeners um yeah so uh, i know audio format of hand histories is always Kind of tough, but yeah, brief summary. Final table, seven-handed. And again, men raises. Uh, then the low jack, three bets to 21,000. Uh, uh, and again, open to 6,000. Low jack, three bets to 20, 21,000. High jack, short stack, four bet shoves for less for uh, 11,000. And it folds Scott on the button with ace-king off. And what what do you do in that spot? Um, so in most situations, most ICM situations, especially like Ace King is really wants to do a lot of shoving in a lot of spots. Uh, it's just a really valuable hand that benefits from fold equity and just piling money in preflop uh, and uh, guaranteeing to see all five cards and uh, its blocker value, of course. But in this situation, it's, you know, being as a chip leader, like, you don't have a lot of, you know, you, the chips that you stand to win aren't worth uh, the the pros versus cons. Like, the chips you stand to win aren't, aren't nearly as valuable as the chips that you stand to lose. And even though he's is a short stack with, like, four bigs, five bigs left, uh, he's still... You know, four bet shoving uh, into two people with people left to act 
So his range is still going to be really, should be really strong. Like, he, you know, like for him to do that with like fives would just be a real punt because, you know, obviously people can't fold. So he knows he's going to uh, at least, um, at least go heads up probably three ways. So he should want a pretty strong hand to do that with. Uh, and then you also have the other other two uh, ranges who are still uncapped, like the you know on the gun can have aces, the three better can have aces. <laughs> um, so uh, and you don't close the action on any of that, so you're really not sure of what uh, how many ways you're going or what kind of price you're going to be getting. And uh, yeah, you're already chip leading this thing, so there's there's not a whole lot of uh, value, you know, maybe if it was like a mystery bounty or, you know, some other like big bounty tournament where you, where you, you had some other incentives to, to bust some people, then you can see where Ace King might be a, a spot to get it in here. But f for this, I think it's just, yeah, I, th I think it's just a fold. And I was talking to you a little bit about like, you know, what questions you should be asking yourself with a bet and what, what, you, uh, one of the main questions I think, and Andrew Brokus talks about this, is like, what do you, what do I hope to accomplish with this bet? If I, if I do this, what, do, what do I hope happens? What is the best case scenario? And so, ideally, like everyone is just gonna fold, and uh, and you just, um, and you, and you just, uh, you, you go in for you, you have a nice side pot, and then the, you have the eleven thousand from the other guy. Uh, and you you run ace king against whatever his his range is, and with all the extra dead money in the pot, like it's clearly pretty profitable to do that. Um, worst case, you go four ways, and you know they have kings or aces, and you're just crushed, uh, and you lose a big chunk of your stack, uh, which is kind of what has uh, happened here. So um, yeah, and, and folding is always like neutral EV folding camp. You know, lose your money. It's it's always neutral. So um, I think Ace King is probably you know if you stuck it into like ICMizer, it probably pretty close. I don't think it's like a massive mistake to where it's like punting all this money. Uh, but it, yeah, I do think it's the fold. Like it's just it's it's not it's not really worth it. Where you're kind of guessing against like multiple ranges and you're just you're you're hoping that uh, you're hoping for like the best even the best case scenario like isn't all that great, great, and the 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 worst case scenario is it's pretty bad. Yeah, and uh, if anyone out there is saying to themselves, "This guy doesn't uh, isn't too precise on how he talks about hands," and that that was a awful play, I am not disagreeing with you. Yeah, I think this podcast is just about our journey. Uh, Andrew's way ahead in his journey in poker, and I'm I'm trying to uh, catch up and take mine. But all criticism and support is welcomed here. If you're like, that that was stupid, I probably agree with you. And if you're like, well, you know, he tried. And I was like, yeah, I did. You know, best I got <laughs> at the moment. So uh, that is what is happening. And yeah, so that was a fun hand. Uh, didn't like losing, but it was um, like I told my, I was talking to my wife about poker the other day. And I know you, you kind of touched on this earlier about how much poker relates to life. and. She had asked me why I liked it so much, and I said, you know, in life, you, you don't always get to make a bad decision, or a decision that might not might not be wrong, but contextually wasn't the wisest decision to make in the moment, mm -hmm. um, that there were other better decisions, and 
I find that to be really interesting and intriguing and fun in poker um, because I just like that that decision I made that I got that Andrew uh, explained for you. I get to go back and when I'm in certain positions like that at the table again, I get to, you know, I have a wider understanding of what I'm trying to accomplish and what is the best out, you know, best outcome of all of these decisions. And I get to use that different, um, differently now in the and be able to understand it differently and apply it differently. And it's weird how much that applies to your life. I never, I didn't think poker would lead me to that, but it, it has transitioned into my life to help me become just a better decision maker overall. So for anyone thinking about all that, it's, you know, even if you want to play for fun and you don't think you're very good, it's a really, it's a really fun uh, consequence of playing poker, a very good consequence of playing poker if you take it seriously. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Chance Cornuth had a, had a good, tweet kind of referencing exactly that a few days ago he said poker isn't just about making money it fosters critical thinking problem solving emotional intelligence and self-awareness you become comfortable being uncomfortable use poker as a vehicle to go beyond your comfort zone make money and develop yourself at the same time which i think it's just it's pretty insightful and just like you said like people don't realize like you know uh that I can do all these stuff. And of course you got, you know, a whole, it's Twitter. So, or it's, it's, sorry, it's not Twitter. It's X now. Uh, yeah. but, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but you know, so, you know, obviously got a bunch of, bunch of trolls saying like, like, what do you mean? It's only about making money. And he's like, yeah, that can be your primary thing, but how do you think the best in the world got to be the best in the world? Like, it wasn't just like, I'm just going to make money and like, didn't develop, you know, anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're not uh we're not GTO solvers, just just to throw that out. We uh there's a lot of nuance for us. A lot of uh, yeah. other applicable applicable skills that are uh learned and, and grown in poker. But yeah, you really haven't you you haven't had too many hand crazy well, you've had some not some <laughs> confusing spots, but you've definitely had some spots that have made your hair turn just a little gray. Yeah, we can yeah, it's uh yeah, and to <laughs> wrapping uh wrapping up the pod uh for the last segment is how the turntables and Well, well, well. How the turntables This segment is just anything weird or funny that happens at the poker table. The poker is just a really weird culture. Uh it's you know, the only spot in the world where you can have uh, a guy in a hoodie, a cowboy, and a grandma all sit down at the table, and they're they're all trying to take your money. Uh, so there's oh, quite a few different things that'll pop up, both uh, live more so, but online happens too. Like I had a couple, you know, uh, I was playing online in a tournament, and uh, you know had aces, and you know this uh, this other guy has, um, you know. I think he had kings, or he might have had like a suited connector. I can't remember exactly what, but yeah, obviously worth sand in the aces. And then yeah, hits hits like a two outer on me or uh, whatever. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was like a suited connector because like the board just got like more and more wet. Like the it was like a flush draw on the flop, and then he turned a straight draw. He just turned like half you know half the deck and and I'm just like don't don't do it. And then yeah, it just like yeah, this. 
just rivers of nuts and i'm like ah like we all knew it was coming like you you you, <laughs> you know you know and then there's like and then i had another one where i was just it's like level three like there's it's not it's not late at all in the tournament <laughs> like um uh you know late ridge isn't even over yet and uh it's just a normal tournament things are going fine slightly above starting then like under the gun one just like open rips for like 150 bigs and it folds to me in the low jack and i have aces i'm like well uh okay uh i guess i call uh you know everyone else folds and so we have this monster pot and uh the other gun one has sevens okay and then it great situation to be in and then there's like river you know good runner runner for the four card straight uh and so just stuff like that it's like well okay uh yeah there we go um i guess that was uh i guess that's that tournament <laughs> and they always say nice hand it, it oh nice hand uh, yeah nice hand yeah nice hand yeah yeah the, good game I've, by far the yeah poker needs to uh we need to normalize uh saying nice stop to stop saying nice hand or do do something else like you know say oh wow or you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you know literally anything other than nice hand like you know because it's it's, it's it's not it's, it's hardly it's hardly ever nice hand it's like oh nice hand like five percent of the time <laughs> but it's just it you know it, you know, it's not a big deal. It's you know, it's it's a semantics thing, really, because you know. But yeah, I mean, I'll uh, especially when you when you do play like as much as uh, you know I have and other pros. Like it's just it's just you know, it's just kind of an eye roll thing uh, for me anyway. You know, like I'll be playing a daily and uh, you know someone will three but you know I'll open aces. I'll get shoved on. I'll call. I'll hold. And people will say nice hand. I'm like, oh really? What? Like, <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I really made a lot of critical decisions. I played it really well. You know, <laughs> studied that spot. So, <laughs> but um, yeah. It, uh, uh, you got anything weird or funny that's happened? The only thing I think is funny is I've kind of got this little rivalry going on uh, with a guy we play. I play against fairly often, and he is just like the suck out king. Uh, I, I honestly, it is like an anomaly how often this guy can play bad and just suck out. But yeah, like, I don't know. It, I need to be nicer sometimes. I think <laughs> he's got me to be kind of a butthole. I'm not going to, it's not his fault, but he's just, it's, sometimes playing with him, I feel like, I, was, I just feel my blood boil. I'm just like, why <laughs> is this happening? Like, it, even not against me, I'm like, he shouldn't have won. I don't know how he's winning. I don't even know how he's here. But I should always want him at the table because he's great for the game. Like he, you know, he's just so loose and such an a, a uh, not a great. He's just not a great player. But yeah, I don't know. I should start saying nice hand more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like it, it, you know, there's 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 some stuff where in poker, you know, like you could be the outlier, you could be the dick, or you could be like like, hey guys, like come on, like let's be serious, or you know, like. Yeah, you could, um, yeah, you could tell them how it really is, and like you know, and uh, you know, all the way down to like berating their play and like all this stuff for how how terrible the they're they're playing. But that's you know, there obviously comes a point 
you know, I, in, uh, you know, I was like, you know, berating anyone's play or, you know, doing anything like that. Like there's, there's sort of a balance to where, you know, like some, some stuff, like it's, it's just better to go along with it and just, just, you know, just, just be one of them. <laughs> like yeah. it's, 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 you know, it's not worth it. You're never going to win that fight. So just, nope. just no, go with it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was good. Yeah. Good pod. So so thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, glad to hook, hook up back with Scott. You can email us any feedback, good or bad, hands. We'd love to hear from you. Just email when the chips are down podcast at gmail.com. You can find myself at Viking19 on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and X. Check uh, you can email Scott directly at staywildpoker at gmail.com. Coming up in episode number 24, I think. Yeah, 24, 23. I'll be back with Joe in Vegas seeing how sports betting and poker is going for the go. Keep grinding, guys.